Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Kyle, I think people are nervous about us right now. You know, we have, we have them on the ropes. I know. They, it's, they got a behind-the-scenes look a little bit yesterday on the Twitter machine. You have to deal with every day. Really being my best friend. And that's that's the beauty of it is you know it. You know? You know the that the the I don't want to say baggage. <laughs> you know the deal. And you still push the buttons, man. I still manage to push the buttons and that's what keeps me going every day. Knowing that that you know better than anybody that I am literally just poking the bear for no reason whatsoever and can still get an emotional reaction at times. I've become more challenging to get that from, though. Yeah, so that's why it's even more gratifying when you just get sick of my shit. <laughs> Tired which of is shit, where we, Which is where we hit yesterday. All right, so let's catch everyone up and have this conversation. So I'm I'm assuming this was, was it Locked On Bills, I assume? Yeah, so I had a question on Locked On Bills about A.J. Green's trade value. And you had suggested... I my, my on the podcast round. I said I said I would start offering maybe like a fourth round pick. That was exactly what I said on the podcast. And then you somebody had followed up with you and you said, "Am I crazy for thinking a fourth round pick for AJ Green could get the deal done?" And I said, "Yes." And you foolhardily responded to that tweet, which set off a chain reaction of events in which I start collecting information, getting ready to have like a full-on debate with you on the show today. And then you said, no, I don't want to have that conversation on the podcast. So then I turn around and I convert that into this big article that dropped today unscheduled. I spent like an hour and a half writing it this morning about AJ Green, his potential trade value, what would be a realistic target for him in a trade, hypothetically, and why the Bengals should do it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm starting my negotiations with a three. And there's a couple of specific reasons why a three versus a four is the starting point for me. Well, I I think you would, if you're wanting to acquire AJ Green and you'd be happy giving up a three, doesn't that phone call start with a four? No, because I actually want to get a deal done. So here's the, what's been funny to me is the response that you've gotten that really I, I think disregards the the context of AJ Green right now. And there are some Bengals fans that just are like beyond flabbergasted that a third round pick would even be a remotely reasonable compensation for AJ Green. Right. Emotional business is bad business. And the people who and the people who are offended at the the thought of AJ Green getting traded for a third round pick, you're emotionally attached to the player. And I get it. He's been there almost a decade. Yeah. But that's not how business works. 
And then I had somebody say, well, trading him now when he's at his lowest value is even worse business. And no, that's depreciation because AJ's 31 and he's missed 19 or 18 or 19 of the last 50, 51 games the Bengals have played. Yep. And counting, right? And he's in a contract year. Mm-hmm. There's like all these variables. What do you want to do? And I said this to you, Joe. What are you, are you going to sign him to an extension and then try and trade him next year because he's healthy? Congratulations. You just wrote him a check for $20 million, and now you're going to trade him in hopes of getting a two instead of a three. Don't be dumb. I, the, the fear I would have as a Bengals fan is that he just walks in free agency. And this is a Bengals team that has estimated between 50 to $60 million right now in cap space. They cut Andy Dalton. They get another twenty. All right, there, there's no comp pick here. Like, I, I think that's a reasonable point to make. But number one, we don't know what the comp pick situation looks like under the new CBA. And number two, the reality is the Bengals are going to spend enough in free agency next year that it's going to wipe out anything they would net in return for losing A.J. Green. Are they? This was the most eye-opening piece of this data collection for me. Do you know what the biggest contract the Bengals have given out in free agency in the last three years is? Oh, that's a fascinating question. Like a player that they acquired that wasn't on their team already? No, not even that. The biggest contract they've they've signed in the past three years. Really? Uh, this is interesting. You're making me think. Um, they, they, I mean, they took on Cordy Glenn's contract. They took on Cordy Glenn's contract, yes. But a contract that they negotiated and signed for a player that was either an expiring contract off their own roster or a free agent that they signed to bring in. John Miller? No. This is bigger than John Miller's deal? It was... Do you want to know the player or do you want to know the financials? I, I want to know both. I just was trying to guess first. Well, I'm saying, if do, do you want to keep guessing or do you want to know? Um, Just give it to me. CJ Uzoma's three-year $18 million. <laughs> This team doesn't spend for shit, Joe. Well, they're and not going to pay some, AJ. You, I mean, I can't imagine they would justify it based on what their recent spending trends are, where the franchise is, where AJ is in his personal career and, and the crossroads that he's at. But as far as contracts that have expired or free agents, they've let Kevin Zeitler go. They let Andrew Whitworth go. They let Muhammad Sanu go. They've let good football players walk out the door for market value. And the most impressive total cash they've given out in the last three years of free agency is CJ is almost $18 million. What about Geno Atkins? He signed four years, 65. Was he an expired contract though? I think they, they up re-upped him early. Yeah, it wasn't expired. Right. So that's what I mean. So like, now you almost have to ask yourself, are they going to do the extension with A.J. Green now? Because that's that's the only way that they've done this business and signed big contracts. But you think A.J. Green wants something different? I mean, he's 31. He's one of the best receivers in the game when he's healthy. Is he at the point in his life where he's not wanting to be part of a reboot in Cincinnati? Well, from the, the mentions that I had got, apparently A.J. is very happy in Cincinnati, okay. which I find hard to believe. The first five years that A.J. Green was in Cincinnati, the Bengals were 52, 27, and 1. 
Yeah, it was a good football team for a while. Did there. not win a single playoff game. Right. And it goes back to, again, their tendencies with roster construction and not signing guys to contracts for the most part, with the exception of a handful of cornerstone players, and letting these these really solid starters walk out the door. No, they, they, they just don't do that. And this team has melted away. And if I'm A.J. Green, I absolutely want to have a different opportunity. I want to try something else. So... Um, his value, right? Like a team's not going to give up. I'd be surprised if they got more than a three. All things considered, you're getting him for a half season. That's all you know for sure. The injuries, the age. I think it's unreasonable to think that he's going to get anything higher than a three. The closest comparison I could find was Terrell Owens. When Owens was traded in 2004, and the Ravens thought they had him extended for another year because – or I'm sorry, the, the 49ers thought they had a, had him for another year because Owens' agent missed a deadline to opt out of the contract. So Owens begins negotiating as if he were a free agent, and then San Francisco trades him to Baltimore for a two as a 31-year-old. And the stats that these guys had – in their first eight seasons of their careers is strikingly similar. Owens played 10 more games. Uh, Green has 10 more receptions, uh, 350 more yards, 330 more yards, and Owens had 18 more touchdowns. But, like, Green has advantage in two of those three statistics and played in 10 less games and wasn't the kind of diva. Now you have the fact that Green has the injury issue, but Owens as a 31-year-old with an expiring contract was going to go for a two back in 04 before the NFL stepped in and nixed this trade because of a technicality with the paperwork. I think the in-season component of this trade changes the dynamics as well, right? Like we saw some in-season trades last year, the Golden Tate deal. Uh, yeah, I don't know that the, I don't know if that's comparable in terms of caliber of player, or even like the Josh Gordon deal because of the, the antics around that. But I mean, like in-season deals, Percy Harvin in 2014 goes for a five. Deion Branch in 2011 goes for a four. Braylon Edwards in 2000, I don't know, I think nine goes for a three and a five. Not that those players are similar, but in-season trades are different than, you know, out-of-season trades. And then you have the fact that Green is not healthy right now. Right. Yeah. Right. So, like, if I'm Cincinnati, I want something more back than what I could get if I just let him walk out the door which is why, for me, the floor absolutely – I'm hanging up the phone if you don't start with a three. But, you're, see, you're, you're really banking on the Bengals staying cheap and not why investing they, $70 million in cap space to help their roster. Why would they? I, I mean, I – And that's a, I mean, that's a good segue for us, right? Right, yeah, it, it is, it is. So we're done with this. Let me tell you about something real quick. The most useful app on my phone. Blinkist. It's really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. I like Blinkist because it helps me get the key takeaways of a book in only 15 minutes so I can incorporate those learnings into my life immediately. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, 
Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T Blinkist.com slash locked on to start your free seven day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash locked on. We've got a fun topic coming at you right after this. All right, Kyle. Shouts to Jordan Reed for this idea. This is fun. It it really, really kind of comes off the heels of this AJ Green discussion. And Jordan Reed put it on Twitter, right? If you're a general manager, would you rather get hired to be the Redskins general manager or the Bengals general manager? And it's funny because Kyle and I talked very briefly about this in the pre-show. And we both sort of feel like we have a side that we want to take. But there could be some convincing going on here. Um, do you want to kind of just take one team at a time here, talk strengths and weaknesses, and see where we settle? Uh, I'd like to know where you stand before we start, but that's how I would like to proceed with this talking point. I think I would pick the Bengals. And I would. I think I would pick Washington. Oh, this should be fun. All right, well, do you want to know why I think I would want to pick the Bengals? Let's discuss the Bengals in their entirety first, and then yeah. we'll discuss Washington in their entirety. All right. So, so go ahead, set the table for me. Yeah, I, the elevator pitch. I think the most uh, appealing thing about the Bengals gig is that I can cut Andy Dalton, free up all that cap space, and I can take my own direction that I want at quarterback. I can bring my guy into the building next year and bring him into a situation with some interesting wide receivers – and, and, a, and a, an innovative young head coach in Zach Taylor. I like some of the pieces that this team has defensively, particularly in the secondary and on the defensive line. And I feel like I just like the construction of the roster as is. I know that I'm going to have probably a top five pick, and I can just take that new course at quarterback, uh, and that's really appealing to me. Now, I know you know ownership's a pain in the ass. You know, I certainly get that. Um, you certainly made that even more <laughs> true when you let us know about how cheap this team is overall. But I'd certainly hope as general manager that I can help try to change some of those dynamics. And that's probably not really happened <laughs> right over the last, you know, the entire history of the team. But right. I've, if I can have that opportunity to take control of, hey, I can spend the money I want. I can do the things I want to build this football team. That's that's appealing to me mostly because I think I have a workable head coach, enough pieces on the roster, and that fresh chance to go with the quarterback early in the draft. All right, so let's let's work through this roster real quick. Let's identify, like, cornerstone players. Okay. We've got Jonah Williams, who hasn't played it down yet and is hurt. Right. I'm not trying to downplay Cincinnati right now. I'm just strictly sure. like, doing, doing mental inventory on their roster. Right. He should be fine uh, for next year, though. Hopefully, right? Tyler Tyler Boyd. Yep. Uh, who? What's his contract situation? He just he signed the new deal. Just signed he a new long term. That's deal. right. Yes, he just yep. signed the new extension. Yep. yep. Um, AJ Green question mark. Billy Price, your 2018 first round pick, could not beat out Trey Hopkins to be the starting center. Trey Hopkins might might be the best center in the game right now, though. He's playing good. Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. 
Uh, Sam Hubbard, when he's healthy. Hey, he's kicking ass so far this year. Geno Atkins is uh, getting a little long in the tooth, but is is a very good penetration style interior defensive lineman. Uh, Billings is playing well this year, too, so far. Mm-hmm. Jesse Bates, William Jackson. Is that it? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe Carl Lawson, right? He's got his own injury concerns, but we know when he's yep. healthy, he can play. Yep. So that's anybody on IR that we're forgetting. Um, nah, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer is no. Okay. I mean, um, you're talking significant building blocks. Those are those are the guys you're going to identify on yeah. this roster. I mean, you got you got potentially two guys on the offensive line. You have two skill players. Quarterbacks a question mark that you can reset if you'd like to. Uh, the varying ages, but defensive line, you've got a couple disruptive pieces and then a, a, a lockdown corner and a promising young safety. Yep. That's what I got. Okay. If we switch over to the other side and look at Washington, I think it's ironic. You talked about the appeal of, I'm going to get a fresh chance to start a new quarterback with who I want to pick. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm Washington, I get a fresh chance to start anew with a brand new head coach that I get to pay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Any way Jay Gruden makes it if this team yeah. is, has a losing record again this year. Right. Right. Um, when I look up and down this roster, I'm excited by some of the, the young talents that they have. Uh, I'd like to include Darius Geis in here, but injuries now two years in a row is problematic. Uh, They have a first-round quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, and the good news is, realistically, we have seen with the rookie wage scale, the way that it is now, missing on a first-round quarterback, especially one in the middle of the round, is not crippling to your franchise the way that it used to be when Sam Bradford was getting, like, buco dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the day, if Haskins does not materialize, I will be able to say... Well, yeah, you know, I uh, didn't pick Dwayne Haskins, and that was somebody else's quarterback and head coach, new regime in here. I would give it time. I'm not discounting Dwayne Haskins, but I would at least have that built-in backup if Haskins does not materialize. Looking at the rest of this roster, I still like Morgan Moses at right tackle. We've got Brandon Scherf, who we can franchise if we'd like to and retain on the offensive line as well. Uh, I have an asset in Trent Williams that I would probably stop trying to make the impossible happen with and trade him and get some assets for him. I don't know what that trade market looks like, uh, but defensively, I like a lot of the talent that they have, and they have some some significant young talent on the defensive side of the football, looking at Jonathan Allen up front on the defensive line and Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis has developed into a really fun football player. Um Ryan Kerrigan is is one of my favorite players. He's not the youngest guy. He's not going to be a staple for us, but he was drafted in 2011. I think I got a couple years left with him. So I think the defense has a reasonable chance for a turnaround based on the style that they've played and the development of Montez Sweat. Uh, the secondary is going to need an overhaul as far as uh, the outside guys, the corners. Uh, but Joe, the biggest thing for me with Washington is at least I know ownership, like you said with Cincinnati, it's also a pain in the ass in Washington, but at least I know I've got an owner that's willing to spend. I don't have to convince him 
to sign checks the way you would hypothetically in Cincinnati? Um, I, I get the point about Haskins. If he doesn't work out that you, you didn't draft him, but the, I think you do have to give that a reasonable opportunity. Of course. And yeah, I, you're I just, pro- you're probably looking at two years. I just worry that this is going to be a team that's never going to fully suck. You know, like you're going to be too good on defense to be like two and 14. You're going to be like seven and not, you're going to have to do something to go get your quarterback. So you're, you're worried about purgatory quarterback purgatory. If Haskins does not materialize. I really am. And that's I, fine. I've got an owner that likes making splash moves. I know you don't got any further than the deals that they made to go up and get Robert Griffin. Now you got to hit him, but I you, feel like I have more flexibility there. You've also got to fire your entire medical staff. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> you got Reuben Foster coming back next year too. That's a great call. You know, I hope I hope he's able to keep his head on straight and, and stay healthy. And um, anybody else here on IR? That's Rogers, the Marty, Bryce Lovko. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Alex Smith. I, I, so the, what this comes down to, you got pain in the ass owners. Washington's more willing to spend. You got the medical thing over there in Washington. You probably have a better roster in Washington, but you're probably going to have a higher pick and that clean opportunity to take a new direction at quarterback. But you also kind of get your chance to pick your next head coach in Washington. That could be appealing based on who's available. This offseason, but I mean, my God, the, the hires in the NFL going into 2019 were just, I cannot believe some of these guys got gigs. You know, like, what's the, I mean, do you, do you, can you lure Lincoln Riley? Well, what's the plan? What's, is Mike Petton, that's the hot shot name for head coach next year? Yeah, Imagine firing be, Ron Harbaugh's Rivera. be the hot shot name next year. Who? Harbaugh. Come on. Jim? Yeah. He's going to be out of Michigan. <laughs> Who's going to hire him? An NFL team's going to hire him. I know they are, but that's going to be stupid. As I mean, as the who do you place the biggest blame on for what went wrong in San Francisco when Harbaugh was there? Do you place it on management or, or Harbaugh himself? Maybe management. It was ugly all around. Like ownership, general manager, you know, they they ended up signing away, giving Harbaugh a lot of control for personnel. I think Harbaugh has a reasonable chance at the pro level if you just let him coach. I'd rather have him than Mike Pettin. (laughs) Okay. So I don't know. All right. So where do you settle? I mean, we, we've laid out the pros and cons of both situations. It's tricky because like neither one of these teams. Mm, Washington mortgaged to go up and get uh sweat too. Yeah. You? you don't have a two. You don't have a two in 2020. Yeah, that sucks. I would rather take my chances somewhere where I'm able to spend. That's that's that is the biggest deciding factor for me, knowing that that 
Dan Snyder will write blank checks knowing that I you're going to have a headache with ownership no matter which side of the fence you choose because they both want to have their be hands-on and everything and, and have their two cents and, and try and be an influence. I'd rather have an aggressive style than a conservative style where it's like, I, I you know, this, I've watched Cincinnati slowly melt away over the last couple of years. And they've done nothing to really stem the bleeding or stop it. That's a tough – you're going to have to win that fan base back over in Washington. I mean, it's been really embarrassing to see FedEx Field. It's it's mostly – I watch yeah. this Monday night game, week three, and Nobody I hear Bears chance. There's plenty of – I mean, no, the stadium's 40% full and 20% of that is Bears fans. Cincinnati's somewhat conditioned, <laughs> you know? I don't right. know, man. I guess the other the, another thing that's in Cincinnati's favor, and I'm just off the top of my head here, you look at these two divisions and what the landscape looks like in each of these divisions. Washington's got to deal with Dallas and Philly. And uh, since he's got to deal with the Ravens, and, you know, Browns are on the uptick and – I don't know about Steelers. They, Steelers are always a good team. Like they've never had these like real disaster stretches of their franchise. Yeah. They're they're about to have one right now. Well, that's funny because like that that's what's interesting in some of those Pittsburgh people I talk to. They don't know. It's always fine, right? It's always going to be fine in Pittsburgh. Right. They right. don't know what it looks like, right? To be bad. Yeah, and to be on the brink of something really being a problem, right? Really weird territory for them. I mean, they're they're offensively a mess. They just keep doubling down on defense, like they're going to win everything six three. Dude, they traded for Nick Vanit yesterday. I know, I know. I a can't fifth round it. pick for Nick Vanit. Yeah, believe I like him too. But what are I we like doing? Too. But why? You've now given away a one and five in this year for Mika Fitzpatrick, which is fine, but it's probably going to end up being a top ten pick with how this team looks right now. I think they've got a coaching problem. Which is funny because like we thought they had a coaching problem with the AB thing last year and then AB left. And it's like, oh, well, AB was the head case. Tomlin's fine. Yeah, but I think it's just so many tendencies that they've had, especially defensively. I think it's just it, it's caught up with them, right? The talent doesn't hide it all all the time now. Which is nuts because they've spent their first round picks in the last like six years on nothing but first round back seven defenders. Right. And they all suck. Not all of them. Well, come, you know, I mean, yeah, by, by and large, the, the, the grade's not good. Right. Right. They got a coach. The burns of the world. But if you could get the right coach in there, I think you've got enough talent. This is not like a, this isn't a huge overhaul. Well, I really think they're missing AB on offense. And I also really feel like they're missing Mike Munchak. Oh, sure. On the offensive line. Sure, for sure. All right, so what's the final answer here? I'm still sticking to my guns with Washington. I I need to know more about how much Dan Snyder influences personnel decisions. But do you know how much Mike Brown dictates? I don't. I think he. I I think he probably dictate dictates more of the uh, spending. So it's really going to come down to my ability to draft really good players, right? 
And that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. So no, there's no good answer. (laughs) (laughs) They both have their problems. Yeah. At the end of a week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, watch some football, game-winning touchdowns, two-minute drives, running backs, racing down the sidelines. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make games even more exciting than to bet on them. Do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should too. We wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Got one more item to talk about with you right after this. De'Aaron King is going to be sitting out the rest of 2019. But, Joe, he says he's staying at Houston, which... Makes for a very, very strange situation. He talked a little bit about how he felt like this was the best decision for him as an athlete and a student. And he came to to Houston to play football, but also to get an education. And I respect that a lot. But I can't remember ever a player opting to redshirt after, was it three or four games? Yeah, it's the new rule, right? Where you can just play, play yeah. four games. Just for the sake, not because he's hurt, and to stay at the same school is mind-blowing to me. Where do you stand on this? Well, I, I think I think King's made the best choice for himself to position himself for the next level. And, and it's one of two things. It's stay at Houston and and make a switch to wide receiver or cornerback where he better translates in terms of his size and skill set and athletic ability. Or if he is hell-bent on being a quarterback, setting himself to transfer to a situation that would help him become a more appealing prospect as a quarterback. Maybe that's Oklahoma. I know they got a big-time recruit coming in and all those types of things, but if Derek King says that he's staying in Houston, his dad says he's transferring, right? So we've got some we've got some mixed messaging here. But I think regardless of what happens next for King, if his aspirations are to play in the NFL, he's doing the right thing to make himself more appealing. Assuming that he changes positions. He can't just go back to Houston and be a quarterback next year. No. Right. That's the one thing that just can't happen because then this would just make zero sense. So when I watched King over the course of the summer, he's a really dynamic athlete. I think anybody with two eyeballs can see that. You could probably even see that with one eyeball, to be honest. Uh, He's got some throws that really flash at you. He's an explosive athlete. And uh, the the expectation that I had kind of set was, you know, this might be somebody who – can 
kind of play off some of the momentum that you get from a Kyler Murray getting drafted first overall. But then you kind of dig into more about King and some stuff about his size comes out and like he's legit 5'8 and legit like 185 pounds. And like there's exactly one example of that getting drafted to play quarterback in the history of the NFL. And it was last year with the first overall pick. And you have nowhere near the level of consistency or natural throwing ability uh, off platform as what you had with Kyler Murray. And even Kyler Murray was the exception to the rule in every way, shape, and form. And when teams start drafting guys expecting them to be the exception, you're going to get burned and you're going to get in trouble. And I think with King, I would champion for him to to try either playing slot or running back because he's a super dynamic ball carrier. He's got great vision. Um, Versus trying to play quarterback just because I don't think the arm is there and I think his size even being notably smaller than what Kyler was is a lot to work through. You know, you know what's interesting about this, Kyle, is you think about Jim Nagy who runs the senior bowl. He's been pretty outspoken about King switching positions. And um, I think that says a lot. I really do. That kind of, kind of the transparency from the thought process of people in the process. 100%, right? So whether it's, I mean, Nagy seems to be a receiver. You've mentioned running back. I think cornerback is something to talk about. But none of us are saying quarterback. And it, it, this gives him time right now to start that transition. I think it's the best thing for him. My only challenge with that is even if I was going to change positions, I would want a different setting to do it other than Houston. And those opportunities should be there. But if you do it at Houston, you you do it starting right now. Sure. Kind of get a jump on it. Yeah. Get almost a year's worth of practice in the system. Yeah. A full off season. Yeah. That makes sense. It's going to be a really fascinating story to watch develop, Joe, because as we said, like, I don't ever remember this happening before. Guy willingly red shirts to potentially stay at the same school just for a position change. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can, uh, Kelly Bryant, right. But he, he was gone, right? Yes. He was gone the yeah. second he, he, he shut it down for the year. And even he, like the intention there, once they made the switch to Trevor Lawrence, like he was always going to leave. Yeah. So versus King saying, yeah, no, I still love Houston. I'm going to play Houston. <laughs> I'm just red shirt this year. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. Let's just put it that way. If he stays at Houston and plays quarterback, I will be shocked. Stunned. Agreed. I would be stunned if you don't come back and see us tomorrow for Draft Dudes, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you have anything you'd like to get us to touch on, now is the time. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at Grinding the Tape. And we are signing off until tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.